this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. I'm not a crusty crab. Ah, hey everybody, how's it going? It's time for another Hard Rock Lunchbox and Top 20. Unfortunately, it is yet another beautiful Thursday here in the Northeast. Uh, a beautiful October 26th, 2023. I do not know what is happening with the weather. I am just, just blown away. I mean, we are looking at like 75 degrees today. It is the end of October, bruh. <laughs> Supposed to go up to the 80s on Saturday. 80s. Flock of Seagulls. Gary Newman. The 80s. Uh, I'm being told that's a whole other 80s. But I have. I've got to tell you. And this should come as no shock to any fan of uh, Rebel Nine or Rebel Nine Live. I am beyond savage sick with a cold. <laughs> It is just, it is so goddamn annoying. I just, I can't even begin to express how defeated and deflated I am being or feeling this, this just unwell, like the day before a show. It is just, it is just so defeating. And, you know, what's funny is kind of, not famously, because I feel like that's too important, but... It was such a going, running joke for such a long time, for so many years, about how I would get sick before any big homecoming-type show, right? Like, we'd play on the road all the time, it'd be fine. It like, but if I booked something big here at home, like something that we were, like, closing or headlining or whatever you want to call it, uh, it was just... It was just like given that I would just get sick, and I kind of always assumed it was from the stress, and it probably is, like... I know it probably doesn't seem like a lot um, to put a show together if you don't do them. And to be perfectly honest with you, if you don't care so much, it really isn't all that much. Like, I know for this show, and not that I don't care about it, it's just I was I knew I was limited in resources going into it in terms of promotion, and I asked the other bands to kind of, like, step up, and my own band to, like, kind of step up and promote and... You know, do all that other stuff. Like, I'd even asked uh, when we put the show together, I was like, if anybody wants to do, like, a costume, Halloween costume contest, I am all for it. I just need somebody to step up and handle it because it's not something else I'm going to want to do for the night. And the reason that is is simple, and I've said a million times. Like, when I'm performing, like, when when I have to go on stage and perform, especially if I have to go on stage and perform at the end of the night, there's a real strain on my voice in a rock club because people want to talk to me and I have no problem with that I love talking to people I'm fine talking to them at shows but it's very hard to talk over music and I've said to Jimmy for years I don't know how he does it I don't know how he tended bar in a loud place and then could sing I I think he's just his vocal muscles are just that strong mine are not like I don't I don't talk a lot I know it sounds weird but I actually don't spend my day talking a lot at loud volumes I don't have to um so when I do a show, especially if I close it, a lot of times I'll be hoarse by the end of the night by the time I go to perform because I've been talking. So um, I just I didn't want to do that because I knew if I was handling an extra contest or some extra, any extra thing, it would be kind of a big strain on my voice. And I just opted to not do that. But none of the bands, nobody else stepped up to, to sort of say they were going to do that. So uh, that's kind of how that went down. But um, what you'll call it? Um, but so, yeah, normally, like, building a show together is a lot of promotion. Uh, I talk about it a lot. I'm constantly on social media, like, promoting it and stuff like that. And I'm just not doing that anymore. I just, I'm not on social media because I don't have the time. And honestly, every time I am on social media, it's, it's, it's a problem. Uh, or or some, some level of problem. Or it just irritates me. Like, I was, like, I was, uh, like, just for example, like, I just I wanted to see what I could find out about the new Speaker of the House that got elected yesterday. I watched about six minutes and was so repulsed and disgusted by, like, who we actually chose to be the Speaker of the House representatives. Like, 
I had to turn it off. Like, I literally had to turn it off because my central nervous system could not take the stupidity anymore. And we'll probably talk about a, that a little bit during the day. I just, I don't know. I'm going to probably minimize the amount I'm going to speak today. So, I mean, and I, I don't expect anybody to be upset by that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, getting back to the shows. So, you know, when you do all that, like, there was a lot of stress involved. I'd be nervous about things. I will say, as I've sort of made some peace with where my career is musically, there's been a lot less stress um, on me to perform. There, there's a couple of factors for that. Like, one, I feel like my worst shows are behind me. Like, I've done them. I've done the worst shows that I personally am going to do. I cannot speak for my band. Like, I hope that they don't. Like, I hope that they always take it seriously and they really do the work and don't drink too much and, you know, know the material. I feel like as a band, we're very well rehearsed, which is one of the things I really like about my band. Like, we are a very good band, so as long as we're rehearsed, things should really go well. Are things going to go wrong technically? Of course. Like, that's every show. But the level at which we have re we have rehearsed and practiced and experienced things is what allows us to handle such technical di difficulties with so much ease. Like, there are things that go wrong every single show, and I would really doubt that most people even notice it. And that, to me, is a sign of a well-rehearsed band. You know, like, when we were playing a lot more and we were so road-ready, it was just ridiculous. Like, the stuff that we could sort of tolerate and just play through. Like, broken strings, broken sticks, broken pedals, sound cutting out. Like, it just, it didn't really phase us at all. And I, I feel like that has carried over. Like, everything could go wrong tomorrow night, technically, and I'm not jinxing anything, but, like, everything could, and we could probably still play right through it. So, that's a good thing. So, that pressure is off. Vocally, like, I feel like everybody that's going to see me has seen me sing enough times to know that I can do the job, and if I have an off night, like, if I am going to be squeaky tomorrow night, I feel like, not that I'll get the sympathy from the audience, because I don't really need it, but all I really want is some understanding if I start, you know, squeaking and sounding like my voice is changing, like... Obviously, I'm past puberty, like, a couple times over at this point, and I just, you know, it's going to be because I'm sick. But what really bothers me is that with this whole new mindset, like, I was hoping, like, I, these days of being sick before a show would be over. But the reality is I just can't control what happens with the weather outside. And the simple fact that the temperatures are swinging by 20 to 40 degrees, I think, was just too much for my system to handle. And I don't... I don't really know why. I mean, like, I'm going through my normal not sleeping well sort of stuff, but, like, that's all the time. And I'm not super sick. I'm not drinking a lot. I'm not, you know, I don't I don't have sugars. I, like, I don't, I don't do any of the things. I just have an honest-to-God change-of-season cold. But, man, I have ba been babying this thing for two days, and I just woke up this morning, and I was like, I cannot believe it's worse. And so here we are. <laughs> so I have a pretty sizable cold. I have serious congestion going on uh fortunately i do not i'm gonna knock on some wood fortunately i do not have a cough so it's not going to be tearing up my throat honestly sometimes with this level not to be gross but with this level of sort of mucus going on in congestion land here it actually helps my voice it helps my throat stay well hydrated and stuff like that so that's good uh it does really clamp down my range though like my and i've got two or three higher songs in the set and so we'll see if i dip out of some if i dip out of some vocal parts just know that you'll know why and that'll be uh that'll be cool <clears throat> team uppity gives no sympathy that is 100 percent correct and that's fine you can razz me and give me as much crap as you want that's fine but i think you know that i know that you know that i could do the job under good circumstances i can do the job under bad circumstances <laughs> so It'll it'll be just fine. So in terms of in terms of basic housekeeping, uh, the new episode of the Top Twenty is out. Uh, I appreciate you know everybody that views it, uh, everybody that comments and gives a like or whatever. I, I really do appreciate that. Like I just I watch the numbers and sometimes it's like, man, I wish this had like a million views. Like I'm not looking for exactly like Joe Rogan level stuff because I don't I don't, I, I wouldn't. I, although I, at this point I don't think I would kick it out of bed. So it, whatever. Uh, but man, it would be, it'd be so great. Um, but yeah, so it's, a uh, Kaz's, Kaz's Christmas flask. And I talk about the time that Jimmy and I were drinking whatever the mystery juice in Kaz's flask. And I realized that's gross. Uh, the mystery juice in Kaz's flask was, and that we just kept on drinking it. Uh, I thought it was an interesting episode. I thought it was funny. Uh, just give it a shot. Um, 
And uh, so check that out on Bacon is my uh, podcast. The new Bimp Lounge is up. And uh, I got a slight preview of what it was going to look like. And I have to say, uh, I meant to text Mikey and Jimmy all week and I just didn't get a chance. But I have to say, like, I think the set looks completely ridiculous. And I could not be more supportive of it. <laughs> so... Kind of makes me want to get a big neon sign back here. I'm not gonna, cause cause laziness rules supreme. Uh, by the way, I just want to point out that I'm still in my pajamas today. <laughs> I did throw on a hoodie, uh, cause I am sick, but I just I don't know, man. I just I just I can't do the job. I just I can't I can't, I can't do the job. And if you ask yourself what job, like life, 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 the job I cannot seem to do properly today. And it's just sort of too bad. There's a lot of stuff going on in the chat. I'm going to have to catch up. I'm gonna <laughs> it's going to be good. I can see the pictures flying already. It's always always going to be fun. Um, I did, uh, like I said, I did want to I did, I did talk a little bit about the, the new Speaker of the House, the Republicans elected Speaker of the House, uh, yesterday because Mike Johnson, by the way, like Mike Johnson, come on, man. Like, you can't do better than that. He's from the Deep South. He's from Louisiana. He is a extremely extremely anti-trans congressman. That's important for people to know. He is one of the most anti-abortion people in Congress, and that's important to know. Um, he is uh, credited with pushing forward the uh, you know ten thousand to a hundred thousand dollar fine and one to ten years of hard labor in prison, prison, not jail, for people that get abortions. Like. This is who we just put third in charge of the United States of America. Just keep that in mind. He is also one of the top election deniers. 2020 election has been settled since 2020. And there are people out there that just didn't like the way it went down. And they're saying it just, it was, everything cheated. And it turns out that so far, every single case that's made it to court has been the Republicans cheating in the 2020 election including everything that's going down in Georgia, because now Trump has three lawyers that have now flipped and taken pleas, including Jenna Ellis, who's pled to a felony, for Christ's sake. She's a lawyer. She pled to a felony. And most of that is because the Republicans in Georgia broke into an election office to tamper with machines. Does that sound like something that they accuse the Democrats of? Because it certainly does. So anyway, so this dude is one of the lead election deniers, and now he's the Speaker of the House of Representatives. So just remember, in case it comes up, and in case anybody asks you or says anything about what's going on in Congress or the Republicans, that who's who they just put in charge, an election denier, incredibly anti-trans congressman, and one of the most anti-abortion people in Congress. And that's who the Republicans put in charge. So do keep that in mind when you vote and people talk to you next year about voting, because I don't want to live in a place like that. I think people like that are archaic. I wish Republicans would just go back to being fiscally responsible and not trying to legislate morality, because frankly, it's disgusting. And I don't need people that look like human thumbs just to tell me how to live my life. Stay out of my life. I would really appreciate that. And you'd expect that from people that just burn stuff because they didn't want to get a vaccine. Stay out of my life and just do your job. Stop legislating morality. You you shouldn't be doing it anyway, and most Republicans do not have a leg to stand on, so I'm just a little tired of that. In other news, um, the thing I was going to talk about today, and I'm probably just going to cut it short because I feel like I'm just waning here completely. I did get involved in a... Um, in a post on Facebook because my friend Dave from Tenton Mojo basically posted something about like why I guess he was just a question like is it really is the local scene really as bad as it looks like and like what's going on and all that other stuff and you know why is it all cover bands and tributes and all that other stuff and you know I've known Dave for it's got to be going on like 20 years at this point uh, and we came up together playing the same shows playing every weekend and all that other stuff so I've known Dave, Dave a very long time I also know that for whatever you know, disagreements Dave and I have Dave and I have had about you know other stuff like mainly political, we're usually really very aligned when it comes to the music scene, because we both agree that like there's places for everything. There really is, but um, you know we start to have a little bit of trouble when people start elevating cover bands and tribute bands over uh, over other kinds of bands, because the reality is they can't do 
what they do if it wasn't for bands like mine and bands like his. And that's and that's true. Like it's undeniably true. Like it it just it just is. And so his poets was about you know and 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 I've said repeatedly over the years on the air and stuff like that that I I don't necessarily think it's the fault of uh, bands and stuff, right? Like, if there's a market for it, I think the problem is the market, right? A lot of people want to hear old music. It's the same people that are like, well, they haven't written anything good since 1973. Like, that's, it's an opinion that you hear an awful lot, and it's an opinion of somebody that's lazy. It's usually the opinion of a small mind and somebody that just doesn't want to expand past their glory days when high school was great because not, everything has gone downhill. And I've, I've talked about that ad nauseum for years, so I don't really need to get into it now. But there was one particular particular branch of this thread that I did take up on. And it was some dude, I cannot remember his name, uh, and it doesn't really matter anyway, but it was basically saying that most uh, you know, local bands, original music, are awful. And I am here to tell you and have told you for a decade that, yeah, that's true. Most local bands are god-awful. They really are. But also, most local cover bands are also god-awful. And the only difference between the two is that when you're in a local cover band, and I use this example, if you play an incredibly bad version of Stone Temple Pilots Plush, people are still going to like it because they're in their head are thinking about the actual original song that they've sung a hundred times in the car or in the shower or whatever. And it doesn't really matter how badly you do it. Now, we've all seen cover bands butcher songs. I'm going to leave tribute bands at, tribute bands out because bands like, say, like Completely Unchained or Power Windows or Almost Queen, I mean, they are just phenomenally good. And they are the cream of the crop as far as I'm concerned. But original music has creams of the crop as well. And, and I think that that deserves a distinction. Um, so we've all seen cover bands just completely destroy stuff. And they're awful. Their singers generally suck. Uh, the, the bands usually don't put in a lot of work to their performance. They kind of learn a few chords. They play stuff wrong all the time. And, and like, maybe you don't notice it. Maybe only musicians can notice just how badly these things are. But I feel like if you've been around, you kind of notice it. Uh, and not to, like, blow any smoke up my own ass or that of my friends. Like, I've had conversations with Jimmy uh, and, and, you know, about his band, Craving Strange, that I've said that sometimes I forget um, how good some of these bands are, his band included, and my band as well, because we play with each other all the time. Sometimes when we go out on the road and we're playing kind of regionally and we're playing with other local bands, dude, I gotta tell you, man, it is horrible. I mean, like, it is just horrible. Like, the bands that I have found along the way that are really good, there's just not a lot of them. And you, listeners of the Hard Rock Lunchbox, know every single one of them because I bring them to you because it's like, this band is really good. But that'll usually be like a one in a 50 or a one in a 100 kind of band. You know what I mean? And even them, like, not all of them are always good. Some of them have, like, a couple of good songs. But, like, they're a good band and they do a good job. And those are bands that I hang on to, you know, forever. Like, I just... They, my point is, is that, yes, most local original music is garbage. Most of it is awful. Most of it needs some development. Most of it needs some time to sit on the mountain and figure out if you actually are talented at all. Um, because a lot of it is just your f your friend base, right? Not in your fan base. Like when I was in G. Davey and we kind of rotated out of our friend base into a fan base as people started getting married, having families, and doing other things, you realize who's coming out to see your show. Like, it's a whole different demographic. Like, even in terms of, like, Rebel 9, who the people that were fans of Rebel 9 when we first rolled into Rebel 9, it's a way different audience than it is now because things move over time. But the ability to still command an audience in any capacity speaks to how good of a band you had, right? Like, it just does. And that's, and that's kind of important. And a lot of other bands can't do that. And they tout, like, oh, yeah, our friends are coming out. Like, yeah, of course, man. Everybody under the age of 25 really needs something to do almost every single weekend of their life because they don't have kids, they don't have a partner, they don't have jobs, they have to work, they don't have mortgages, all that stuff, right? Like, that's, and I'm not slamming anybody, I'm just talking about demographics. So, like, that is not a gauge of how good something is. But when people are like, oh, all original music is bad, like, that's somebody who's just lazy and not doing the job, not doing the work. What is my biggest issue has been with venues lately, because after COVID, like, obviously, we lost a lot of the bigger and better original music venues, right? And that's, that's true. And places like... 
like, even like the warehouse that are willing to give us a spot in the summer. They gave us a spot in the summer because the tribute and cover bands are playing by the water. They just leave the warehouse high and dry. So it's not like they did us a huge favor. I mean, like they did us a favor and gave us a good place, but it's not like they were like losing money to let us play. Do you know what I mean? Like the cover bands really aren't there. And don't forget, all cover bands get paid. Right, they all get paid. They usually have some sort of deal. It's usually not a door deal. So usually, if a band is playing like mine, there's no loss whatsoever because we get paid out of the door. So if ten people show up, we get paid ten people worth of dollars. If ten people show up for like,、um, you know, soft parade, soft parade will still walk away with fifteen hundred dollars. So like, it's a whole other market. But my issue really is with venues because they're if they're not offering the opportunity to build that following. You're missing out on this entire audience, and a lot of them just don't care, right? They just don't. It's transactional, so and so. There's always another cover band. They're always, you know, so they just they just don't care. But when you took a place like Revolution that actually brought in original bands, that's what allowed several bands to sell that place out. It held over 400 people, and local original music was able to sell that out. And that is how you build those kinds of things. The other problem with venues is that. Without those venues, a lot of the nicer venues aren't doing this anymore. So we're left with a handful of original venues. Mr. Berry's is one of them, which we will be at tomorrow night, and that's I'm super grateful for them and all that. But like you have other ones like like Rams, which I find to be terribly depressing, and then like Amityville Music Hall, which aside from the fact that I won't set foot in anymore because of the management there, like. We have had people just complain to us as a band how disgusting that place is, how bad the service is, the fact that they're almost always out of like certain liquors or beers. Like it's a horrible venue, and that's what we're left to. And that's actually the bigger threat. People will not come see us play, not because they don't want to see Rebel Nine, but because they don't want to set in set foot in a place that is going to annoy them, overcharge them, and probably give them hepatitis and AIDS if they're lucky. Like it's a disgusting place. It's a disgusting place to go be, to to to, to be in, right? Like that's not true of like 89 North or the Warehouse or you know, play like really nice places that have cover bands because they do a better job. You let us build a following in a nice place, and we'll put a following in there. But also, don't just open the door to original music. Most original music sucks. It really sucks. Like when we would play at KJ's, the only reason Kevin would let us play at KJ's is because we were a proven act, and we would bring in proven act. Like that's the right thing to do. Like here's a band that can do the job. I'll I'll let them play, and that's why we were able to get the warehouse. I, I think. I mean, like we do a good job. Like, and and we bring people in. The the, the trick of it really is, is like if you can't give us. The same latitude that you give cover bands, like give us a goddamn residency. Like we wanted a residency really bad at the warehouse. Play every three months. Like that was where we were going to play. We would basically be like the Randy Jackson of local original music. You know, we'd bring Craving with us. We'd have something heavy with us. Whatever, just some sort of residency. Basically, what we just did at at Beery's, right? Like it's kind of a residency, so you know to see us there. And people come out. People look forward to.、It. People are excited to come to Beery's. And Beery's is just a bar. It's not even a super nice venue. You can imagine like being at a super nice venue that has like good food and good drinks and like a really clean bathroom. Like Beery's does its best, but it's about as good as you can get as a bar before it turns into like a really nice kind of venue or theater sort of place. But that's where cover bands get to play. They get to play at 89 North. I just saw it again. Had a conversation even with Jesse from Pine Street because they're going to be playing with three cover bands over at Stereo Garden. And I'm, to be perfectly honest, I'm annoyed because I would rather him hidden turn his efforts into building something with other original bands. But honestly, every time I ask Pine Street to play, they turn me down. So I'm done asking them to play. If they want to play with us, like guys, if you're listening, if you want to play with us, you know how to reach me. Right, like I've offered you three, four, five, six times at this point. Like I'm tired of just reaching out. If you want to spend your efforts working on, you know, cultivating cover band relationships, good luck. You know, it's not going to work because it doesn't work. And every other band will tell you that, including mine, that has tried it and it just doesn't work. It will not work. 
you're better off covering, uh, cultivating relationships with people that are interested in original music and willing to give it a try, which are our fan base. Our fan base is one of the greatest set of fans I have ever encountered in my entire life because they really like original music and they really like original musicians and they give them all a shot and they will go see them on their own long after they've parted ways with, you know, the Rebel 9 on an in particular show. And that is the audience you really want, not somebody that's just coming out to see and the cradle will rock for the 97th time and no slam completely unchained because they're awesome they're a fantastic band but those are fans of van halen of old van halen like not even new van halen old van halen that's what they want to see you have any idea how old that music is those are people that are going to be set in their ways you're not going to be really turning any of them and it's just disappointing like you're going to waste your time doing that like I need people that are going to start working with me, and I can't seem to find any of them, so I just get more and more annoyed. And now I've talked way too much, and my throat hurts, and I'm sorry. I'm going to shut up now. Here's some music. Enjoy the rest of the box. I'll see you on the other side. Hard Rock Lunch Box. So I've got some new Bring Me the Horizon, I'll admit. It's called Dark Side. But the D is capitalized, which you'd expect, and the A is capitalized, which I did not expect. I'll have to listen to the lyrics a little bit better to see if there's a reason for that, but for right now, I'll just play the song. If you guys can figure it out, I'm all cool. I'm listening. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Yeah, I said it last time I played that band. The band's called Speed of Light, and they're, uh, they're all siblings. Uh, and the chick singing, Riley, is 16 years old. Uh, I mean, I don't know if she's... I'm 17 since I read that bio, but she's 16 years old, and I just, I am so grateful that my 17-year-old daughter does not speak or sound ever like that, because that is just... Charlotte just happens to be an exceptional young woman, and I'm not even, like, biased. Like, I just don't have those teenage daughter problems with her. Um, I think she's, she's just, she's a lot smarter like, and I think that when you are, like, so nerd intelligent, and she'd be fine calling if I called her a nerd, when you're just that nerd intelligent, you just, you don't engage in behavior that, like, defeats your own, <laughs> your own purpose, but I've never heard you yell like that, and I'm great. Um, they were just talking a little bit here in the chat, 99WNRR, if you're interested in joining, we're talking about the... The, um, the rant that Jimmy G went on uh, in yesterday's discussions and drinks, I guess it was. Um, I don't even know when it aired. I got, they sent me the clip, so I was just watching it separately. Uh, but about how, like, people are ruining, like, traditionally great places. <laughs> like, like you know, like Nashville and New Orleans and stuff like that or whatever. Like, And <clears throat> what I saw of it, like, Jimmy's 100% correct. Jimmy usually is. Uh, about stuff like that, especially by the time it, like, just Jimmy's not somebody that just, like, flies off the handle. Like, I talk about shit every single week. A lot of it isn't always all, all that well thought out, as you may or may not have noticed, and that's fine. Uh, but usually if it bubbles up enough for Jimmy, like, he's given it some real thought. So, um, it's really hard to poke any holes in anything he's gonna say. Uh, but I will say, like, you know, one of the things, and like even Bill brings it up here in the chat, like about Nashville, which I've never been to, by the way, but saying that like, you know, it used to be really cool and now it's been ruined because it caters to these to younger people. And it's not specifically younger people. It's, it's, it's people and they happen to, they tend to be younger because, you know, people will go into a place because they think it's cool. And I think what gets lost on most people and this might be controversial, but I'm pretty sure that everybody that listens to this show will agree with me. Um, but the thing of it is, how do I put this delicately? And do I even give a shit to put it delicately? I think it's more. So when you have a place that's actively cool, like a really cool kind of niche thing, like a little gem out in the world, the reason it's cool is because the people that think they're cool aren't there. Right? Like, Kyle Kinane has a joke about, like, you can't call yourself cool. Like, you can't, right? That immediately, it's like quantum, you know, mechanical. You can't measure, like, space and velocity. Like, you just can't. Uh, the uncertainty principle of quantum mechanics. But, like, you can't, if you think you're cool, 
Like you, you can't call yourself. His joke is like you can't call yourself a rad dude because then you most certainly are not. And he's 100 percent correct. That's exactly right. So when you have these pockets of really cool places to be, the reason they're cool places to be is because all the people that think they're cool haven't come there to ruin it yet. Right? And you could argue, like, that's kind of what, like, New York City was like in the 70s, the punk scene, when it was really awful to live in New York City. And then people started coming in to be fabulous and cool, and all of a sudden it wasn't cool anymore. Right? Like, that sort of thing. And this plays out time and time and time again. And if you talk to people that are... <coughs> Excuse me, the locals or like sort of OG, you know, uh, residents of an area. It was true of Seattle. It was true of Chicago. It was true of Portland, for sure. It was true of uh, Austin in Texas. It's true of Asheville in North Carolina. It is true of, I'm guessing, Nashville, even though I haven't been there, which makes sense because you have such a flood of people kind of coming into the place. And and it was it started with a flood of musicians coming into the place because it was like this music mecca. And now people that aren't musicians are just going there because it's cool to be there. Well, what do you think that does? You're not bringing it. You're going there because it's cool and you are bringing down. You're not adding anything. So you're just making it uncool. And New Orleans, like, I don't know about New Orleans because I've never been there either, but, like, I get the feeling that, like, New Orleans is supposed to be seedy and dirty, and you're just supposed to drink. It's very important to drink in the street, according to Hannibal Burris. You never heard that bit. I suggest you Spotify. Stop what you're doing right now and Spotify a love letter to New Orleans for from Hannibal Burris. It's one of the funniest, funniest comedy bits I've ever heard in my entire life. He talks about, like, how you get to drink. It's very important. Drink in the street. You walk in to, you know, you walk into a bar and be like, yo, give me a Jameson and ginger ale to go. I don't like this place. <laughs> I don't like the music you're playing. I think this chair is weird. Literally one of the funniest things I have ever heard in my entire life. So feel free to do that or do it after the show. Either one is fine. But that's the problem. As soon as people find out that someplace is cool and they want to go someplace cool, if they're not adding to it, which believe me, they aren't, then... It becomes uncool. You're watering it down, right? Like, that's how that works. And then eventually, people that are just selfish and not even self-aware enough to know that they are the ones ruining this thing will just continue to ruin it because they want to do what they want to do, okay? They, okay, okay we, want to do this, we want to do a thing we want to do, okay? No, no. Sit around a coffee shop and workshop your music like Nashville was supposed to and just leave all your other stuff alone. Now, I'm not going to step to Jimmy's rant because I think, like I said, what I heard was on point. Apparently, there's more of it I'll have to look into later, but just keep that in mind, man. Make your own shit cool. Stop going someplace that's cool because all you're going to do, nine times out of ten, 99 times out of 100, let's be honest, is ruin it. And nobody needs that. Stay where you are. I've been playing a lot of the new Thornhill because I really, really dig it, but man, not the same as nurture. Hard rock lunch box. Ah, it's been another week, so Blink 182 has another single out. Don't worry, I got you covered. Hard rock lunch box. Now, while it's true, <clears throat> I usually have an opinion on Mel's musical moment of the week. Uh, that is not true this week. I don't know what to actually make it. I've listened to it a couple times with the sole intent of trying to figure out if I liked it or not. <laughs> and then I realized it doesn't much matter what I like. Now does it? Freezing cold. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Yeah, man, it's time for some brand new music. And while you might think it would be brand new music from Revel 9, you'd be wrong because somebody in Revel 9 didn't get around to just bouncing it down into MP3 format and sending it over to the work computer to run it for the show. But that's neither here nor there because it's been a hot minute and therefore Mikey's got a brand new single. That's right. Something Heavy just continues to turn out singles as if they were Amish butter. I guess that's a thing. I'm not entirely sure. 
This one's called Hurt. I think it comes out in a couple weeks, but Mikey's in the chat. He can tell us for sure when it actually comes out to all live streaming platforms. But on this live streaming platform, I got you right now. man that's some brand new music from something heavy and some not so brand new music from silverstein on your hard rock lunchbox today i've got some um, new music here uh from i'm gonna go with jaris johnson it might be jaris johnson i don't really know i don't know who the person is i just thought it was a kind of interesting sort of sound so i figured i'd grab it for you and you guys could tell me what you think here on the box the song's called when the darkness comes phrasing some familiar melodies in here for sure Hard Rock Lunch Box. Well, if you'd bet money that uh, you'd only hear one song called Ultraviolet in the uh, half-hour block that has been the last half-hour of the Hard Rock Lunch Box, you'd beat out those dollars. Now, did I do it on purpose? Of course not. Was I paying attention? Also, of course not. But I got a brand new song called Ultraviolet, conveniently enough, from the band And It's Okay. Annie's Okay, the German-based band that just makes me laugh every time I try and say their name. But it's a really good one. I was digging it. Maybe you will, too. And it's, uh, yeah, it's Annie's Okay. Relax. Hard Rock Lunch Box. So, I was going to say a lot more about this next song, but I'm realizing I'm just feeling worse and worse and worse. So I'm just going to say a little bit about it. <clears throat> so, um... 
my chiropractor, who I truly recommend. If anybody's ever looking for a chiropractor, I really, really would recommend uh, Lehrer Family Chiropractic above pretty much all else. Um, he's like, he's just like one of those true believers. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he does it, he does it to help people. And it's funny because he doesn't like most people and he still does it. <laughs> so he's like one of those kind of true calling, true believer kind of people. But, um, I'm up there like every four days because I have to effectively get my neck rebuilt because that's just, that's just where I'm at these days, unfortunately. And if I ever want to get feeling back in my hand, I'm going to have to keep doing this. And, you know, as I, as I do it more and more, it's becoming more and more of an if and not a when, which is scary and sad and all that other stuff. But this is what I'm doing. So as I've been trying to do in, in every area of my life as much as possible, like when I'm doing something that's unpleasant or is, is costing too much or whatever, I've really spent a lot of time in meditative practice and in therapies and other dis, you know, other disciplines really working on perspective, right? So I've talked before about how hard it's been for me for the past, I don't even know, eight years, nine years, 10 years, maybe even at this point of rehearsing in Long Beach, which is an hour away from me. And I do it twice a week. Sometimes done it even three, but generally twice a week. It's a tremendously long drive, but I've changed the way that I I use that time and it becomes like really, really important to me. So actually there have been times where I haven't wanted to go to rehearsal, but do so uh, for other reasons besides the rehearsal, not least of which is the drive. It helps me work on things. I was actually saying not too long ago about how I used to write all my lyrics in notebooks and I don't do that anymore because I write most of my lyrics while I'm driving. Uh, like sometimes I'll speak them and it's funny because your iPhone will name like where you are. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of songs called like Meadowbrook Parkway South <laughs> and Southern State Parkway and stuff like that. But I, so I use those, I use those times. So I'm at the chiropractor every probably four days, four to five days, probably for the foreseeable future, unfortunately. Uh, and my chiropractor as good as he is, uh, plays a lot of old music. <laughs> on Spotify and Pandora, which, you know, I don't mind. It's not bad music. It's the greatest hits of the 70s, 80s, and not today. You know, like, it's just one of those things. But what I've done over the past, I'd say, month is really lean into some of it. Because my take on old classic music is it should be like Bill Clinton said about abortions. It should be, like, safe, legal, and rare. Uh, and I think old music is safe and legal. Uh, it is definitely not as rare as it ought to be, but in my world, I carve it out so I don't have to hear it all that often. But I do have to hear it in the chiropractor's office, especially when I'm getting adjusted. Very hard to keep your fingers in your ear when your neck is being basically torn off. Uh, so, I, so I decided to lean into it and enjoy what I can enjoy out of it. And then sometimes I've even like gone in and like, Listen to more stuff. Like, I was listening to Styx, uh, Rockin' the Paradise, a couple weeks ago. So when I came home, I listened to the entire goddamn record, because that record is absolutely phenomenal. So I was in there yesterday, and uh, U2 came on. Uh, Beautiful Day, which is... I love that song. It's a great U2 song. The thing with U2, though, for me, and it's funny, because I don't know who else has this this experience. I am old enough to remember U2 before they were famous. And the reason that is, is because my mom used to go see them uh, at like Industry and Island Park when they were over playing you know, before um, before they were big. And I remember one specifically because I don't know if it was a friend of hers or somebody she was dating, but I had a I had a babysitter and she came home. Like I was young enough to have a babysitter, uh, so she came home and she brought me a TDK cassette tape 
that somebody had recorded both the Boy album and October on. And then she had gone to see them on the tour that was for the record war. And there is just something so wonderful about those first three records. And it's not something you can ever go back and get because U2 is U2 and they are who they are. And if you own an iPhone, you definitely heard them. (laughs) You know what I mean? But like, there was something so very cool pre-internet, barely MTV, uh, this band from Ireland, heavy accents and everything, listening to it on a TVK tape. And I remember listening to stuff like I Will Follow and, you know, songs like that that just like, wow, these are these are so amazing. And and in hindsight, they're just very simple and clean and, you know, the Irish version of punk, but like pop and, you know what I mean? Like, it just, it's so like no other point in time. But I remember because I was a huge fan. I really, really liked them a lot. And so I, you know, I didn't even have enough money. I wasn't buying records yet. But I knew that War had come out because they had a song called New Year's Day that was on you know, I guess I guess it was MTV at that point. Um, but then they had another song on that record called uh, "Sunday Bloody Sunday," which I just think is an amazing song. Always has been an amazing song, and yet they still didn't quite blow up. It would take one more record, and on that tour, they would tour through my former ho- hometown of Denver, Colorado, and they would play in what I consider to be the most amazing place on earth to play which is Red Rocks Amphitheater just outside of Denver. I've seen concerts there, I've been there uh, just to visit. It's there is no place like it on earth and if I have like one musical thing left that I really would like to do, I would love to play that stage at some point and I will gladly play it with somebody else as a guitar, as a touring musician or whatever but when that record came out and they released Under a Blood Red Sky it was all over <laughs> for those OG fans of U2 because they would go on to release record after record after record after record and become the biggest band in the world. But at that time, they were still just one of my favorite bands. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Well, if you look at the time, it's Deftones o'clock. Hard Rock Lunch Box. I apologize for my poor, poor, poor time management today. We are at the end of the show, but I will squeeze in, crowbar as it were, your weekly craving of the week, which ironically enough, it's not even craving. So what are we even talking about? What what are we even doing? Is it going to be craving? Right, exactly. Well, it's kind of craving. All right, well, if you're going to be a stickler for facts and stuff like that, then there's really not much I can do about it. Yeah, I want to thank everybody for spending part of their Thursday with us here at Hard Rock Lunchbox. I want to pre-thank everybody that's coming to the show tomorrow night at Mr. Beery's. Uh, show starts, music starts at 9. Uh, we are closing the show, so we'll be on probably just before 12. Bacon is my passion. We'll be on just before us. So if you're coming late, make sure you gum early enough to catch that because honestly like i've been saying for weeks i just don't know when and or if honestly it's going to happen again probably going to happen again but i just really couldn't tell you when so now would be a good time to see what is going to happen when bacon is my passion gets up on stage and actually performs some music i do have something prepped for you it is your weekly craving of the week but i want to tell you guys have a great and beautiful weekend it looks like it's going to be wonderful outside hopefully i will make it through the show in one piece vocally please be kind to your singers that are sick tomorrow night i appreciate that i'll do my absolute best and then i'll be back here next thursday to run this all again in the meantime here's your weekly craving of the week and your kick in the ass out the door it's death be a woman see you next week
Source becomes hers. 